There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man for whom transfer deadline day is easy because he never goes to bed anyway. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> you really are. I mean, you always are tired. Bless you. Yeah. Um, but that isn't... Doesn't it finish at 8 o'clock today? No, it's 11. It's 11. Oh, it's eleven. I thought it was... back to eleven. I think it went down. We matched up with others and went back down. Went down to five for a while. Mm. Now we're back to eleven. Do you remember when? Um, when I think it used to finish for a while. It finished at twelve, and then we put in papers to get an extra hour to try to get Moutinho over the line. Or at least that mm. was the rumor. That mm. was a period of time in my life where I actually had a good sleeping pattern, and I remember being just like so exhausted, fighting fighting every fibre of my being to stay awake to find out that we hadn't signed Vitinho. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing. It's 11 o'clock deadline, but then there's you can do deal sheets as well to take it beyond yeah. the deadline. So it always seems a bit ludicrous, but... That's uh, the position we're in now. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go somber for a moment because we've got some. We've got some sad news. Um, Ashley Marie Savage, sister to Ross, who many of our listeners and subscribers will know, sadly passed away after a lengthy battle with cancer. Um, Ross is arranging for there to be a minute's applause on 39 minutes at the Brighton match. I, I have already passed on my condolences um, to, to Ross personally, but uh, you know, on behalf of the three of us, we're so sorry for for Ross's loss. Um, yeah. I sort of, I'm friends with Ross on Facebook, so I've been sort of following this from afar, and I can honestly say I found I found his updates incredibly moving because his sister seems like an extraordinary person who 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 tackled this in a very optimistic way, which uh, is moving in and of itself. But the the sort of love and tenderness that Ross has showed along the way, uh, and his whole family shown, has really been quite something special and um he really did her proud in her final days and uh he's a wonderful man and and, and i'm just so sorry ross um in other news one of our listeners and a huge spurs fans uh joshua granger he has launched a fundraiser his wife verity has an ultra rare life-shortening genetic condition 
and there's a fundraiser that he has launched to pay for some treatment for her. He he needs to get a lot of money together. Um, and we're trying to get the word out, or he's trying to get the word out, and with people tr- trying to sort of promote it as widely as possible. We're going to put the fundraising link in the show notes. We'll tweet it as well. If you can spare some money to support Joshua and his family, that would be lovely. It's such a terribly, terribly tragic read. Um, so yeah, at, at least give it a read, even if you're not in a position to be able to support that. Um, and send some send some love Joshua's, Joshua's way. Um, and, and same to Ross. Um, yeah, what they're both going through is is terrible, absolutely terrible. And it seems it seems wrong to now go on to talk about football after that. But uh, but we're a football podcast, so so on we march. And hopefully this this pod can can provide some distraction to um, to Ross and to Joshua as well. Let's talk transfer window. We've got nothing better to talk about, have we? And we're recording this uh, at roughly four thirty on the day of the the transfer deadline. So Bentanko was announced by Spurs five minutes ago. And Kulusevski was announced by as a sale by Juventus sort of six minutes ago. So that's that's where we're at at the time. <laughs> and, and we've seen the announcement from Spurs also for Tongi and Dombele going on yes. loan. Uh, so so we know a couple of incomings and at least one outgoing. We expect uh, at the point of recording that that Delhi's outgoing permanent transfer will be announced and that Lo Celso's loan with a view to a permanent will be announced and that Brian Hill's loan uh, will be announced also so let's uh, let's tackle the incoming first um let's start off let's do it in, in chronological order ben tankour um buddy what are your thoughts as nathan would say this is net good i'm happy with this i think ben tankour is offers us something that conte will use at the moment we can't hide from the fact that he hasn't been using lacelso and endombele i think this is a person that he will use he's a decent player he's not perhaps the the midfielder that we really wanted but I think he's a great addition to the squad and a very very useful player and I'm very happy with this nice uh, Nathan do you, do you know a lot about him I know a bit about him mm. um, so recently for Juventus and also before as well he's been used as like the number six and it doesn't really get the best out of him um, he's not like a good sort of controller of the tempo his his passing isn't all that sort of crisp like you want your your number six to be um his best season for Juventus that is probably came under Sarri where he was playing in the midfield three as the box-to-box player um arriving in the final third and doing some good there um so I imagine that is what the idea for him is is that he will he will probably replace Skip in the starting 11 and play uh, you know in front of Hoivier or you know slightly slightly more advanced than Hoivier and, and be the box-to-box runner um yeah, I think that I think that he does improve our starting eleven. He certainly improves the squad. I think he's a good player. I just think that like this this mould of player, right? This sort of um, box to box eight slash six type player who's defensively strong and a bit of an all rounder is like that's a place where we were strong. We're gonna force all of the skip out of the starting eleven. I'm sure there's plenty of minutes for him, you know, throughout the matches we're gonna play. But still, me, but and we're leaving, you know. Our centre backs situation fragile. Um, he doesn't really improve our creativity very much. We still got a, a right wing back situation. Um, so, like, yeah, he's definitely like, and 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 he's a cheap fee, right? We've really mm. we've really done well, like getting two undervalued players out of Juventus books. But I also just think I look go back and I look at the squad and I think 
<laughs> this wasn't the most pressing concern for me. I, I agree. I think we could have probably used that money somewhere else, but I just don't think the players that we wanted or we could get in those roles were available. And they've taken they've taken a chance. Juventus needed to clear up some money and clear up some wages after signing Vlaovic. And I, I think I think we've done a good thing here. And um, I'm happy with it. We'll talk about Kulovsky later, but I think this is this is a smart signing that will that will probably do pretty good. And maybe Skip keeps his role. Maybe we move out Hjoyberg, which would be an, an excellent win. So this is it's really interesting to get Nathan's read on this because my take from everything I'd read and and the um you know I've seen him play internationally several times and and I feel like I've got a good handle on the sort of um what he's like as a player even though I don't necessarily know the roles he's been used in his previous clubs but my read was that uh he he is equally adept playing 6 and 8 and and I think now we're in a position where we've got four midfielders who can all play six and can all play eight in Huibier, Skip, Winks and Bentancur. Uh, and it might be that they do one better than the other, but it gives a bit more cover across the midfield sure. in terms of the, the type of player that um, that Conte wants. Obviously, um, Paratici has a very good knowledge of him. He signed him. He, he understands his strengths and weaknesses. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't... If you'd asked me at the start when Conte was appointed in January, would I be happy with with Lo Celso, Delhi, and Ndombele leaving, and a sort of slightly more functional midfield player coming in? I'd have said I was very unhappy with that. Uh, but after the Leicester match, where I kind of had this switch flick, and I'm like, okay, the creativity comes from the system, not from the players. I feel a bit more at peace about it. But I do agree with Nathan's perspective that I feel like the priority was other areas of the squad. And let's talk, before we move on to that and talk holistically, I, I, I want to dive in a little bit on Kuliszewski, who I I really like a lot. Um, and Bardi, you're super excited about this one. Yeah, I, think, I mean, just go back and watch his Palmer games when he was really flying and the reason why Juventus went for him. He's he's a wonderful player. He's I, I saw I can't, don't know where I saw it, but he's got that kind of, someone said he's got the De Bruyne physique where he looks sure. kind of slow but he's not and it's just because he's really pale and ginger people think he's slow but that means he can't be fast I think he's a <laughs> I think he's a wonderful player with a wonderful left foot and the physicality to match I I reckon he could play up top I probably see him playing in midfield I don't think he's been signed to be a right wing back that's for that's for sure I think he's <laughs> <laughs> what was that was that people been suggesting that I've seen people <laughs> okay. suggest that I think he's a great player. Nima loves him, which is always a good sign. And I'm very happy with this. This is a brilliant, brilliant signing. And a player, like Nathan said right at the start, undervalued. And there's good value in this transfer. The, the amount of money spread over the amount of years that it is, it's, it's good. I can't believe Juventus have let him go, but especially with Chiesa being injured. But Juventus are a weird place now, right now. Max Allegri is kind of on that that precipice of perhaps becoming a dinosaur, um, stepping into that Mourinho kind of world. And it's a bit weird what he's doing with his team. And I think we, we've we really got something here. Well, with Bentanko, they've, they've just brought in Zachariah, who was going to be mm-hmm. on a free in the summer. They brought him in for five million. So that kind of makes sense. And I think they're pretty heavy in midfield as well. Like McKenney's taking up a lot of minutes in different roles. Locatelli's not adapting that well, but obviously he's a brilliant player. Um, so I, I get that they sort of got like a lot of bodies in midfield but then there's just general turnover but I mean Juventus fans are happy that these two players have been moved on but I think that you shouldn't go by the the impression you're getting from Juventus fans I really like Kuliszewski I think um, he uh, he's sort of 
takes up the like impression of a winger a lot of the time. He looks like he wants to dribble, and then he'll use that to to bait the, a defender, and and he plays a lot of really well disguised um, sort of assists and shot assists and stuff. And I think that's the strongest part of his game. So I think that I mean, yeah, I, I was just saying with regard to Benzema that like I want us to have more creativity, and I think that Kulusevski does that without him being like. He's not a, you know, an Ericsson type player who wants to sort of um, control the tempo of the game. And he's not an undominated player who's just immediately always playing the the killer ball too much, right? I think that he is creative in a way that should be fairly adaptable to to what Conte wants from his team. So maybe this is sort of the compromise between between sort of having more playmakers in the side and and having players who you know do exactly as they're told. I think that he knits that together quite well. I think he um he's positionally quite versatile. He's played up top for Juventus, which I think is weird for him. He kind of drifts into more of a sort of number ten role from playing up top he played mainly right wing for Palmer um in his youth and possibly again he could play as sort of a, an eight in a in a three-man midfield as an advanced eight I think that's that's feasible for him um so he gives us a lot of of versatility in that sense but I think he's probably best suited to playing the the inside right position in the 3-4-3 which means that he's competing for Lucas now certainly I believe that he should displace Lucas in the starting 11 but then I also thought that Lacelso should displace Lucas and Delhi should displace Lucas and Bergwijn should displace Lucas so you know I, I guess I can't bet on that um but yes, I think he certainly competes to to get game time. But and again, the same thing as before is like we just keep buying. Like in the summer, we bought in Hill. We spent twenty five million plus Lamella to bring in Hill. You know, who's not the exact same player, but you know, is a sort of um, like a supporting attacker, right? We've loaded up. We've brought in Bergvine. We've brought in Hill. We've loaded up on these supporting attacking players, not just wingers, right? And then we go, oh, we've only got room for a couple, and then we're going to try to move on and go in Lacelso, whatever. And it's like, I don't know, he's good, but we just keep focusing all our transfers in this one area where we're overloaded and not where we need more centre backs and right wing backs. I'm making the same point again, but it's it's kind of baffling me to be honest. <laughs> I think reason I think reasonably so. So we have just as we're recording, we just announced the uh, the signing of Dejan Kruševski. Nice. Um, very very happy to get that one over the line. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I agree with Nathan's point about more wingers, more wingers. Uh, but I really like him as a player. He's he's someone I'm quite into. Go on, a lot of people, a lot of people are getting scared by the fact that we're signing Juventus rejects, and these are these are players that we could have got ages ago. But just Juventus aren't quite like Bayern Munich. When Bayern Munich sells someone, it's they're washed. There's nothing left there. <laughs> just just stay, just steer clear of them. Um, but I think Juventus they sold Cancelo and he's and and they swapped him for who they swapped him for was it Danilo was it Danilo they swapped him mm-hmm. for anyway, and Cancelo is now worth double the amount of money they sold Spinazzola who's who's the greatest left back that football's ever seen they sold Romero and then we go and buy Romero for five times the price Demi Rao yeah. they sold as well they they they're not so smart at signing players they I mean they they bought Ronaldo they they spent seventy five million pounds on Delict who doesn't look great so just because the fact Juventus let him go does doesn't mean that he's a wash player. They, I mean, they spent so much money on Bernadeschi and it's terrible. So I I don't think the fact that who's a Juventus reject um, should come into play here. It's, it's, good it, players. It, it's a bit like the clubs that are going to pick up Delhi, Lo Celso and Ndombele well, from yeah, us. A little bit, yeah. 
Maybe. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, exactly. It's like PSG fans going to Leon fans. Oh, you've just signed a Tottenham reject. Not quite. Sometimes things don't. We know that things don't always work out. I think the attributes that those two offer are good for Spurs and lift us up another level. It's very sad about Hill, but maybe Hill just wasn't right. At, he's just not quite right now, and I'm not sure whether the loan back to Spain it will be good for him long term. Perhaps he should have stayed in in England. But you know, I am at the moment. I'm quite happy with how things are going. I, I I do think the Gudzewski situation is weird from Juventus, right? They brought in, um, well, they they immediately they he was on loan at Parma, but they they brought in this twenty year old who is this like sort of the chance creator, right? Before anything else, he creates chance. Sometimes he creates chances through the dribble. More often, he ch- creates chances through the pass. Um, sometimes he does it from out wide. Sometimes he does it in the middle. But what he does is he passes to other players in the box. They brought him in. He's played up top a bunch. He's not scored a whole bunch of goals. Now he's 21, 22, and they're like, let's move this guy on. <laughs> like I, I, they've bought, they've brought in like you know a really talented prospect, and because he hasn't completely set the world on fire, there they're moving him on. I, I understand that they've brought in Vlahovic and they want to like turn over funds because that's it, isn't it? But like, it just seems like a weird place to go for that. It's just, it's just Juventus are are a weird place, and there's. There's something with, I heard on a podcast recently that Juventus, they want something, they just go and get it without actually thinking whether or not they should have it. And I think they did it here and they've done it with Vlaovic, they did it with Divala and it's, it's, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But in this case, I think it, it's good for us. Plus, you know, Sweden, it's good to build some links with Sweden again. It's been a while since we had a good Swedish player. So I, I was already fairly familiar with uh, with Kulu, um, but I've been watching some some um scouting videos over the last 24 hours or so and i noticed a couple of things um so i was wondering you know i'm I'm trying to convince myself that we might play the 3-5-2 at some point and i was wondering (laughs) whether he might play as an eight in that system but i think more likely is what nathan said that it is a 3-4-3 signing and the reason i say that is because he does some really good work in the press and yes. a lot of that is often backwards pressure. And I noticed a, a common thing that comes up in the scouting videos with Kuroshevsky is that he's he's often nicking the ball from the blind side, um, something which will be very, very useful when we don't have the ball in the 3-4-3, three, three, I think. Uh, he's also got this really excellent upper body strength. Um, so whilst he might not be absolutely rapid, what he's really good at is getting himself between the defender and the ball and putting himself in a position where you either have to foul him. You're not going to get him off the ball when he's in full flow. You either have to foul him or you give up on on catching him. Um, in, in a way that you know, you've already mentioned De Bruyne, and I think De Bruyne, De Bruyne is exceptional at doing that also. And it, that's where the similarity is for me in terms of their, their style. And actually, it's a little bit Moussa Dembele. It's it's kind of why he's played some games up top is that like he has sort of the physicality and the hold up play to mm. to bring others in for that position and then be creative. It's just just sort of a weird fit for him. Um, but yeah, he he's yeah he has a, a decent physical presence. He's he's big um, and he's yeah he's an absolute hustler as you say. He mm. he really puts the defensive work in. Yeah, that's gonna make him a real crowd favorite from early on. I would I would suggest. Um, the other thing is he's a young player. He's he's twenty one. So you know I like to I like to sort of slot them in amongst our squad and work out who they're older than, who they're younger than. He's he's younger than um, Emerson Royale, Jaffet Tanganga, and even Toby Amole. That's how young he is. Um, but he's basically got three solid years of of, yeah. of good good minutes played behind him. So he's he's young in age, but he's not young in experience. He's someone who's He's got decent experience. Uh, both Bentancur and Kulishevsky have, I believe, am I right in saying they both won the league? Yeah, they have both won the league, haven't they, as well? Yes. At Juventus. So 
So there's there's title winning experience there. Uh, and, and one final thing on both of them, um, FB Ref have got this really useful um, bit of data on footedness of players now, that based on the number of par- the passes that players play and which foot they use to play them. And both of these players uh, are, are more both footed than basically all of our other out- all of our outfield players, and that's partly going to be because of the position they play and uh, and whatnot. But I do think that's interesting. I think Ben Tankor being more two footed than any of our midfielders, especially Skip, who's who's spectacularly one footed according to the data, it does open things up in the middle of midfield in terms of angles. And Kuliszewski, when you watch him, is not worried at all about using his right foot. If he goes on the outside, he's very willing to swing in a right footed cross. And that is absolutely married up with the data. It is it is quite rare for a left-footed player to be two-footed. Normally, left-footed players are, are pretty happy <laughs> to, to be you know to be specialists of the left foot. And, well, well and because not because there are fewer of them, and they just get stuck yeah. out on the left wing or left back when they when they're growing up, um, and, and so they end up basically just using their left foot constantly. Do you remember when England had no left-footed players? <laughs> yeah. And- Steve, was it Steve Frogger or was it Steve Frogger or Guppy got a Steve call Guppy, up? Steve Guppy, yeah. Steve Guppy got a call up to the England squad for like five years, half a decade. They tried to find a left-footed <laughs> player in, in in your country and they couldn't do it. Well, we we, we switched to a back three <laughs> and country. and gave. <laughs> I, I missed that. Yeah, you well done for picking him up there, Nathan. Uh, we switched to a back three and played Graham Nassau as the as the left wing back because we didn't have any other left footers. Anderson played out there a long t- for a long time for England as well. Um, Ruined Paul Skulls to make him as a left winger. Yeah, exactly. Jason Wilcox is another they they tried to get tune out of Amala. Yeah, it was a real dearth. Um yeah, I think I think these are I think these are interesting interesting signings. Um let's talk about outgoings. Uh let's get the easy ones out of the way first. And Dombele got on loan with a view to a sixty odd million. Yeah, I mean they're not gonna pay that, are they? They're That's... not gonna pay that. Like even if he even if he lights the league on fire again, which he could do, but I think Mm. he probably takes a while to settle in. I don't know how good a position Leon are in. They still can't afford that. That's like that's for other clubs to know about. That's for PSG to be aware about in the summer, isn't it? You know, I I think also it's possibly um, a a let's not get burnt in the same way we were with Van Foyt again, where he ended up going for less money than he was ultimately worth at the end of a loan. You know, he really excelled on loan and we probably could have squeezed an extra five to ten million out of sure. uh, the buying club. So there's no point selling yourself short. Uh, I got the impression it was um, more comms. It was yeah. pay saving from Spurs that we let him go out on loan for six months and then just chucking that in there. As it, Like Nathan said, they're not going to pay that amount of money, but it shows that we're actually paying attention to the finances. I, th- I think that PSG is a really good place for him. I was kind of happy for him for a moment that that, that was on the books. And maybe it will be again in the summer. I think that... I, would, I want to see him do well, even though I I feel very disrespected by him after the slow walk off the pitch and everything else. I still still kind of want to see the best for him, even even if that's just so I can be proven right. But I um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I just don't want to see him as like a total flop. You know, I hate that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, also because the situation at Spurs has been so shit, it must have been awful for some of these players. Sure. They they joined under false pretenses, basically. And I know that's part of football, isn't it? That's the thing. It is part of football. There's there's this big discussion right going on about like how the summer of 2019 we bought in uh, and Dombele, Lo Celso, uh, Clark and Sessegnon and it's the worst summer 
of all time. Every single one of those. But I think, I think that was a really good summer. I just think it didn't work out. And that's, that's mm-hmm. the reality of, of football transfers sometimes. But it's also like, those were good transfers for like continuing long term with Pochettino. The moment mm. that that wasn't the case anymore, like it undermines the, but that like in a vacuum. And that has to be like my friend Siaga says, you can only analyze a transfer based on the, the information that was available at the time that it was made. And you can't just work backwards from the result because, because there's too much chaos in what happens. Mm. Sometimes, sometimes you sign a really good player who's a really good fit and it doesn't work out for another reason. Sometimes you sign a bad player who shouldn't fit and then they completely explode as a player for no obvious reason, right? Um, I, I, I think that we did good business that summer. We did worse, you know, we did no business some before and, and we let things slip onto Pochettino to that point that the, those, those transfers couldn't save him. But, um, I, I think that bringing in Ndombele to this club was a really smart move mm-hmm. that couldn't have worked out much worse than it has done. Absolutely. So I, I don't think any of us are, um, are too concerned about Ndombele leaving at this point after the Morecambe match. Um, sure. Lo I think Bardi will be celebrating him leaving. Am I right, Bardi? No, I'm not going to celebrate him leaving. I think I think there was probably something there that we could have used. And if he leaves and we don't use that money or those wages to do something else, then it then it's a then it's, I'm not going to celebrate that. Rather like Ndombele, I think it's I think it's also a little bit sad that this hasn't worked out. I think there is a good player in there somewhere, but it, it hasn't worked for him. So no, I wouldn't I wouldn't celebrate. I don't hate Lo Celso. I think um, it's a shame. I I think after what happened in the Chelsea game that it was inevitable. I mean, he basically we we essentially forced him out. Right at, the, at that point, it was it was you're not going to be in my plans. Find a new club territory, um, and and in, in many ways. It's better to be honest with players and better to be clear with them. If if they're not going to be in plans, there's no point keeping them around. However, I did sort of feel that he was one who, if he if he came in for an injured player, that he really could state make a case for himself and and keep his place in the team. Because I do think there's some there's a lot more there than what we've seen um, in his time at Spurs. I think he's a good player. I and think I there think... were reportings of falling out. I think people aren't happy with him on a on a personal level. Because again, mm-hmm. I think that like when he's played, he's been he's been mostly good. He's had some bad appearances when. We've been a bad team, but I mean, the, th- the thing with Lotelso, you have to remember, is that we he was alone with an option and yeah. we activated the option based on the performances that yep. he put up. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like we brought him and then went, Oh, I wonder how this will work out. We were like, Yes, we definitely want to go through with the, the agreed option based on how well he plays, you know, during uh, Project Restart or whatever. So I don't know. There was definitely something there, and again, I thought he'd played okay in his few minutes under Conte. So, but but there's more going on. I think we're frustrated with the injuries. So uh, it's just a, it's just a cutting losses kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. No, I get that. And I, I think um, on the face of it, um, getting Lacelso and Ndombele out and Bentancur in, who who fits what Conte is trying to do better, that sure. seems like a logical step. Uh, so we so we move on to Delhi. He's basically never been injured in his life, by the way, Bentanko. He's he's he's. I mean, so was the Celso before he came in. So maybe I shouldn't speak in case I curse him. But he's he's play, He's been he's been available forever, essentially. Son Renati says, "Can we please keep the Delhi eulogy short? Would love to hear about the future of our squad." And I'm afraid the answer to that is no. Uh, no. We, 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 <laughs> we can't keep the Delhi eulogy short. I, I appreciate that that there are lots of people who are. Absolutely sick of Delhi. They'd moved on two years ago. They moved on mm-hmm. when when Mourinho um, moved him on, basically from being a part of the team. Um, I am not one of those people. I, I feel very, very sad about Delhi leaving. So what we know so far is uh, what Fabrizio Romano has, has, has tweeted whilst we've been recording. 
Um, Everton are in a, in a bit of a pickle. They've got a couple of loan players already. They can't have any more loans. They've got a financial fair play issue. So it's going in the books as a free transfer. Um, there will be 12 million payable after 20 games. And there are various bonuses for the next few years. And it could reach up to 40 million. I mean, who knows how the deal structured Spurs do crazy things with, with transfer structuring. Um, uh, that that's you know the, the the size of the fee was upsetting when Matt Law reported it was ten million. I was thinking, what the hell are we doing? Why would we do that? But other than that, it's uh, it, it it's not really come into my thinking. What it has come into my thinking is um, this is a, a player who has brought me so much joy to watch for Spurs. There's there's something unbelievably satisfying as a fan about unearthing a young gem in the in the lower leagues. MK Dons League One, and then them just kind of exploding in a way that that got everyone's attention. And Delhi came in and he basically started scoring from the off. He he was a central midfielder for MK Dons, and he came into our team and he pretty much played up front from the off. And he started scoring and he didn't stop, and he kept going and he kept going and he kept going and he would have these performances where he did nothing for eighty nine minutes of the match, and then he would pop up with a goal, and I would be tweeting. Take that, you know, it's time to take Delhi off and put someone on who's going to get us a goal. And then Delhi would score and he'd make me look stupid and he'd do it week in, week out. And he was so consistent and so um, impressive for one so young at some of the things in football that I think are some of the most difficult things. And they are um, and appreciating space, arriving in the box at the right time to score a goal um, and, and linking things with, with clever flicks. And, you know, he was quite wasteful at times with some of his flicks, but one of those flicks led to one of the most famous goals in our club's history. Uh, so net good, as Bardi and Nathan have, have, <laughs> have said. Um I'm gutted. I'm gutted to see him go because I I really loved watching him. I'm also gutted because Delhi is the reason that so many young Spurs fans are Spurs fans. He's he's such a kind of cult hero, especially for younger people. Um, he's really cool. He's really fun. He's got a great energy about him. Uh, he's always had fun goal celebrations. He's had that lovely relationship with Eric Dyer, and then similarly with Son Hyung Min. He's always felt like a really sweet natured part of the squad who just links gelled everyone together. It really felt like um, Spurs was family to him. Um, and I felt that. I really felt a connection to him and the team that he was a big part of. And this does feel like... <laughs> it does feel like a a big loss. And in the same way that Vertonghen leaving was, was a loss or Christian Eriksen leaving was a loss, um, this is a tough one to take. I hate this move for him, by the way. I think this is a terrible... Like, for me, right, in my opinion, the main problem with Delhi over the last few years is that... He is a ceiling raiser, right? He improves good teams. He makes good teams great. He doesn't make bad teams good. And he's going to Everton, who are a fucking mess. And they're also <laughs> bringing in uh, Van de Beek, who's a similar player. To have both of those players on your squad is a mess. To to loan one in and then fill your 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 loans, and then you can't loan in the other one, so you're buying him. They're just an absolute abomination of a football club. And I think that this is really bad for him. And I think that we might only get, you know, 12 million out of the deal. And I think that his stock will continue to plummet. I really hate this for him. And, and I do, I do care about Delhi. So, um, yeah, I mean, he could have, you know, maybe he could have gone to, he waited longer or, you know, forced through other deals or whatever there. I think there were better options. I mean, I think almost every club, football club in the world, except for Everton is a better option because they're shambles. Um, 
apologies to the you know the three Everton fans who occasionally listen to this podcast. <laughs> it's no, I think you make a really good point. Um, Chris Somersell and I had a long discussion about this on on Straight Off the Training Ground, which is our, our Patreon pod that we do, and. Um, Chris was was pointing out that one thing Delhi is absolutely exceptional at is is scanning and getting a picture of of what's around him and mm-hmm. using that knowledge and using that sort of picture to to arrive in space at just the right time to to do stuff that whereby the opposition defense can't stop him uh and the best way to get the best out of that ability is to have someone in the team who can pick out his run. Someone like Christian Eriksen, for example. Um, and Everton just don't have anyone that, that is capable, really, of of, of incre- like creative passing from deep. Um, maybe Andre Gomez, to some degree, can do some of that. I, d- I don't think he's going to get loads out of Delhi, frankly. I, I, yeah, I really agree, Nathan, with with what you've said. I don't think it is a great move unless they sign someone else on you know before the deadline's up. Um, Bardi wrote a, a beautiful um, piece about Delhi uh, for the for the ex subs. Um, you nearly made me cry, Bardi, to be honest, and you did make Callie cry. Our our, our beloved Callie, who is Delhi's biggest stan in the Discord, she is is traumatized by this transfer. She uh, Delhi's one of the reasons why she is a Spurs fan. She absolutely loves him. She follows everything he does, um, and and so supportive of him in the most wholesome way possible. And I really feel for Callie. I just want to give her a hug. Um, Bardi, tell us about the piece you wrote. What? I, it started, I was going to, because the thing about Delhi, is, uh, as I say most weeks, is my relationship with Delhi has broken. I've got to the point now where I don't see him as a, as a useful Tottenham Hotspur player. And tongue in cheek, I started this, I was going to go in on Delhi and just say a few mean things. And then I started thinking a little bit more deeply about him. And then what, what was it that I loved about Delhi? Because I, I spent many years loving him. And then I just decided just to remove all the cynicism, cynicism from my life and just go back and just re- remember what Delhi was when he first signed. And I was at the Leicester game away when he scored his first goal. So that gives me a little bit of a connection with him that I, I remember that moment. And just the joyfulness that he used to play. I don't think we've had a player who just played with joy, who would just bound around the pitch and just do mag- magical things. And like you said, not do anything for a while and then just do magic. And I do think in the years he's tried to grow up. He's tried to find himself. He's tried to be pushed into this box of what type of player you are. I do think he's lost the joy of football and we've lost the joy of watching him. And it, it is very sad that he's now going to an Everton team, which is so devoid of magic and hope. And I am worried about him. I, I get the funny feeling that he will retire and just walk away from football because I just don't see that energy and that happiness in him. And it's, it's sad. He was like a puppy when we bought him. Legs, energy, smiling, playing football in a beautiful way. And it's just not been there for some for some time. And I think the real challenge is not Everton getting out the best of, out of him, but him getting the best out of himself and rediscovering what it was that made him so good. And that's that's the big challenge for him. I will miss him, but kind of like he's been gone for a while already. I, re- I retweeted something earlier on from um, Collins T26 about Ndombele, which was, I think... Uh, so he said, sorry, the paradox of Ndombele, we needed him to create the next good situation for us and he forever needed us to create it for him. Yeah. And, and I sort of feel the same about Delhi's move to Everton. I sort of feel like they're both going to be waiting for one another to, to light the spark. Um, and yeah, I mean, Nathan's right. Delhi is someone who's going to raise a team from good to great, uh, not from some, not someone who's going to raise a team from bad to average or good, I don't think. 
maybe we'll be proven wrong. Maybe maybe he'll go in and play um, the box to box midfield role, and and because we saw him play that so effectively against Liverpool, and, and maybe he'll make a success of that and not be getting on the end of of creative passes, progressive passes. Maybe it'll be different. Um, I don't know. Let's see what Frank Lampard can do. Um, he should have gone to Burnley. He would have. He would have. A- a great time playing off their massive forward. <laughs> the other outgoing player is Brian Heal, and Canervo says, "What do you think of Heal going to uh, Bordelas's team? I don't know about his Valencia tactics, but in, in Getafe, his wingers were playing almost like wing backs, like Bergwijn did under Mourinho. Is it good for Heal's development? What did you make of this one, Nathan? <laughs> Probably not. Like." I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't need time, like developing his defensive game or whatever. I don't think that's that's what we've seen. If he needs further time to acclimatise to England, then why send him back to Spain? If he's homesick, then I guess so. But I don't know. He. The thing is that like he he ought to be getting minutes, but he's also not so desperate for minutes because he's played over a season of league football. Right? He's he's a he's a semi developed player, so being a squad player who plays cup games, who comes off the bench, that's you know for you know for a, for a team who are at least aspiring to be a Champions League team, you know, I think that's right for him at the moment. So. I don't know. I mean, I understand that we're just trying to get players off our books at the moment, but we, we again, it's like I said about Kuliszewski before, it's like we just keep having massive turnover in our attacking midfield department, and I... Uh, I don't know. He's he's a good talent. Like like literally when I, literally when we signed Hill, I made a video in which I said like he's a good talent, but I don't understand his his role with us at the moment. And people thought I was really down on him. <laughs> but it's like this. He's he's he was worth the a large amount of money that we paid for him. He's a, he's a really special up and coming talent. And uh, I don't know. I think that we just we we've done some poor squad building. He's also a left winger primarily, and and we've barely played him on the left wing. I mean, I think sure. I think your point about homesickness is the only logical take that I can think of as to why we would send him to to Valencia. That he's struggling so much to adapt that we're just saying, right, okay, you go home, maybe keep learning your English on in your downtime, um, and, and come back in the summer understanding the language a bit better and um, and in a better place mentally, perhaps. So there was a report of that nature, and then I think he replied like questioningly. So I don't know if you know how how much you want to take him at his word, but he is he's pushed back against the idea himself, mm. and yet he's going on loan back to Spain when I don't think he needs to. Yeah, I mean you're absolutely right that a Premier League or Championship loan would have been, you know, from from Spurs' perspective, that would have seemed much more sensible. But uh, but here we are, Bardi. Do you have any any thoughts on this? Yeah, it's a strange transfer. I still think there's a player there. Um, we'll see how this works out. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ian Williams says, so clearing out the Deadwood and bringing in a couple of new quality players is good, but the squad yeah. being smaller than before the start of the window is no bueno, no? I mean, there's 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 squad size in terms of just like the actual raw number of senior players and there's squad size in terms of players that you're actually going to use, right? Um, so I, I guess if we've improved there, you know, if you if you trade out in Dombele, who you're not going to play for Bentanko, who is going to again, I think, replace Skip in the starting eleven, then then you've you've increased the size of the squad. Obviously, my position is that I think Dombele is a quality player, and we could have done better use of them, but that's not really the situation that we're at in, in the January window. And I, you know, fair enough, that's where we're at now. Um, and then at the same time, if you improve, you know, your midfield and attacking midfield numbers, but you still only have one option at right wing back and he doesn't really do the task that you want him to do. Or if you're one injury away from two different centre back options from being in a minor crisis, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, it's not just about, it's, it, it's, it's about, you know, it's, you can't quantify, I don't think in a simple number, the, the coverage situation. I agree. I don't think I don't think the squad. But like Nathan says, we've re- re- replaced players we're never using with players that we will use, which is good. So it doesn't doesn't change anything. We've got less matches coming up. There's no Europe. There's no League Cup, FA Cup, and Premier League now. That's it now until the end of the season. I think the squad is fine. Yes, there's a there's a fear there, but there's always a fear if we lose one or two players in key positions. A right wing a right wing back would have been great. Um, I don't think anything's going to happen. Although I do have a, a weird feeling that something crazy is going to happen in these, these last few hours. Yeah, as it stands at the moment, I, I can't say in in good faith that I feel satisfied with this window at all because at the start of the window, the, the three positions that I identified that I would like to see strengthened were right wing back, left centre back and backup striker. And we've not addressed any of those problems. In fact, we've <laughs> we've made Matt Doherty more of a... a, 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 a backup right wing back than he was at the start of the window um yeah i mean you you could say that kulishevsky could play some backup striker maybe but i think that's a, a bit of a stretch based on what we know at the moment um so i do have some slight concerns about the window but january transfer windows are always like this they're always really difficult to do business in we, we it's like we forget year on year that this is a tough window in a tough market very few clubs address many problems so I'm kind of thinking we've got to give this at least two windows to maybe even three to get to a point where Conte's somewhat happy with uh, the options available to him. 
Um, so whilst I'm not I'm not thrilled with the business, and actually I really like Kulishevsky and and Bentenko's signings. As it's turned out, I think they're they're absolutely fine uh, and, and good. Um, I'm certainly not throwing my toys out the pram about it. I think it's it's not a terrible window, but it's not spectacular either. Uh, go on, buddy. Yeah, I think there's just a little bit more to this January than just the transfer window. I think if you look at the month as a whole, we've learned some things. We've, we've Bergvine, we've rediscovered is a good player. Um, we've moved on players that aren't being used and we've added players that will be used. Um, we've survived pretty much without Romero. We've kind of got through without Dyer. We've learned some things, we've improved, Larissa signed his contract and I'm not going to be all happy clappy, but I think it's been, as a month, as a whole, as a transfer window month, it's, it's been okay. I'm going to go back to the same point again, right? <laughs> which is, under Daniel Levy, we had this long, long period of time where our business was done not based on so much the needs of the squad, but based on deals, right? If there was a good opportunity for a good player or what we believe to be a good player, then we would pursue it and we would be prepared to pay a large sum if we still thought it was a good deal. Um, as opposed to identifying the gaps in the squad, going out, making a list of those players, going down the list, working until you find something that you can afford, that you're happy with, the manager's happy with, right? I thought that Paratici coming in <laughs> would be a change towards that system. We went, right, we need a right wing back. We need a central centre back. We need a left centre back. Um, that was what the reporting said. All the reporting said that they'd identified those positions. We'd, we would do that. Make a list like I fucking did, right? Make a list of 10, 15 players for those roles. Contact the agent, contact the club, inquire about the fees, maybe talk to the player, go back to the manager, back and forth, work your way down the list until you get, you know, even if it's your fifth pick, people get very upset in, in the football community when they think that their club has picked their fifth pick, but often that's a good pick, right? <laughs> They're top five in the world. Yeah. So instead, we've picked up two players on good deals because Paratici like, knows some guys still at the club and is familiar with those players from having worked at Juventus. It just feels a bit sort of... Italian Daniel Levy, <laughs> which again, you know, again, definitely has its upsides. These are definitely two good players. They're on a good deal. I think there's a fishy thing going on where uh, Boca are owed uh, like a sell-on percentage from Bentacle, and then we've not paid that much for him. And then there's like maybe a bit more of the fee in Kuliszewski, <laughs> and 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 that's going on. Um, but regardless, if you put the two of them together and their combined fee, definitely good business for the two of them. It's just like. It's not very director of football, which is what I was expecting. 100%, Nathan, 100%. And I think the, the chase for Luis Diaz uh, feeds into same. that absolutely perfectly. Um, and, and lots of Spurs fans were really unhappy about us not pulling off that transfer, right? Um, and I wasn't for the exact for the exact reasons you just stated. Well, he, he's a wonderful <sighs> player. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes these opportunities come along that are too good to pass up and a player like that becoming available... You just you just got to throw your chips in. You got to go for it. Um, but he doesn't. He's not really what we needed. He is exactly what Liverpool need. You know, he's, yeah, he's, he's perfect Mane. for Liverpool. He is Mane's long term replacement. Yeah. I mean, he's the they're the same player in terms of what they can offer. It's wonderful, wonderful forward planning from Liverpool. For us, he would have been an incredible player to sign. Incredible, but, like really exciting. But where but, would he but, play? Yeah, he's playing on the left, so that means Son's <laughs> playing where is Son playing up front in a three-five-two? But then if he's playing, if we're playing three-five-two, there's no one on the left. But then, <laughs> because... The thing with that is that Diaz especially wants to receive the ball to feet out wide and Absolutely. then make things happen. It's like there's no. There's not much scope for that under Conte, so I don't know. Again, 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 it would have been 
an even more extreme version of yeah you know we've managed to i think the situation was everyone involved was expecting him to go to liverpool in the summer and we tried to sneak in early because porto need the money right now and so we tried to like you know gazump and we got reverse gazumped <laughs> well 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 but i i don't hold i don't think there's any blame attached to daniel levy for this unlike many spurs fans because no. liverpool had an an arrangement with porto whereby they would be informed if anyone else made a, an offer which was accepted so they accepted our offer they told liverpool and obviously liverpool was a better draw than us they i mean tried obviously to do it on the quiet but they have no <laughs> it's not in Porto's interest to do it on the quiet if they can then not. extract more money out of Liverpool. Exactly, exactly that, exactly that. Um, so yeah, I wasn't too unhappy about the Luis Diaz situation. I think it just sort of fed into my frustration with our with our strategy or lack of strategy. Um, I, I think like I would really love to know the balance of power in terms of our transfer in inner workings. Because what we know about Spurs is they do have a recruitment team. They've got a team of analysts. They've got they've got a, a network of scouts, which we know Paratici is is prioritising bulking up that network. He's bringing in more scouts. He's working with more scouts. Presumably, they use scouting agencies as well. So we have an in-house analyst team. We've got external scouts, um, and we've got some internal scouts. But like, and and I think it's right. I think it's right that anyone in the club should be able to identify a potential signing and then pass that name to the team of analysts who then go off and do the the background work. My concern is that all of that happens and they have this wonderful process and then Paratici just ultimately trumps whatever they've said and says, actually, no, I want to go and get Kuliszewski because I know him and he's really good. Um, And and that suddenly becomes a priority. And, And look, I'm not, again, I reiterate, I'm really happy with the signing of Kuliszewski. I think he's good, but... I don't think it was a, an immediate priority, whereas I think right wing back absolutely was. I think left centre back. If if Ben Davis gets injured, left centre back will suddenly become a real problem. If Harry Kane gets injured, what are we going to do? Um, so I do have some sort of concerns, and I'd love to know more about how our recruitment team works and how the the, the decision making happens. <laughs> it's got to be a madness in those meetings. <laughs> I mean, I I don't think. There has to be, you're right, there has to be a process. We have these positions, let's fill these positions. Oh, no, 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 let's just do this. It can't be. This is like, I spent all weekend, I didn't, I don't know anything that's happened in football this weekend <laughs> apart from that because I spent all week trying to build a log cabin in my garden. And Spurs' Spurs's approach to football can't be like how my dad approaches building a cabin. He just grabs the first thing that he sees and, and starts whacking it with a hammer. I, there has to be more professionalism at our club. There's got to be. It, this, it can't be just one man, one man's whim deciding what happens with our players. It used to be Daniel Levy and now it's Fabio Paratici. <laughs> the sight of like Paratici and Hitchin wandering around before every match on their phones. Oh, and then they're just like, oh, January business is two guys, you know, from your old club. It's like, what have you, what have you been doing? What have you been up to every day? Because I've no doubt that they they're like extremely hardworking, like but maniacs. How? But like, what are they achieving what? with their time? <laughs> like, they just uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, yeah. I, I want to see a power shift. I want I, I and I don't even know what I'm talking about. Of course, this is I'm speculating completely because all we get to go on is what the end result is, and there could be a whole load of processes that have happened up to that point that have led us to here, but. Like, I would want our recruitment team, our team of analysts, 
who who do who what who look look for the data, look for the patterns in data, and then watch video after video after video, finding the right person based upon the specification they've been given by the coaching team. I would want them to be valued higher than anyone at that they point, <laughs> and they and clearly they're not. Right, they exist. <laughs> it it is bizarre that. These are the key positions we need, and then they just ignore it. And it's, I'm not Enoch out. You know, I didn't turn up at the at the training ground today with the other 15 people and wave banners around it. It's not it's not me. But it is bizarre that we get through all these months and then arrive in January. And on the 31st of January, we signed two good players, but two players that we probably could have spent that money in in more important places. But mm. I, I I don't want to get away from the fact that I'm really happy with Kulusevski. I actually prefer him to Luis Diaz. I'm not too sure on Diaz. I think his age and everything else works against him. Maybe he works, maybe he doesn't. But I think Kulusevski is the, the better fit for us so we we've had some outgoing loans as well um of young players so Keon Atete was recalled from Northampton in League Two and has gone to Cheltenham in League One he came on at the weekend apparently did some really good hold up stuff so that's a positive move for him I don't see him as a future first teamer uh, or anything like it but I think he we, we can get a good fee for him at some point uh, Jack Clark has gone to Sunderland who have immediately sacked their manager so so sweet <laughs> great work there Spurs um Niall John has gone out on his first loan to Charlton in League One, a deal seemingly brokered by Chris Powell. I really like this move for John. I think John is definitely one to keep an eye on. He has a lot of talent. Definitely one I'm excited about for the future, and I expect him to do well at Charlton. And it sounds like Spurs are trying to um, get Harvey White a loan move. Remember last season, he was on loan at uh, Portsmouth in League One. He has spent the first half of this season playing Premier League Two football, which is utterly pointless in my eyes. Uh, so so hopefully we'll get a loan for him before the deadline. Uh, and that brings us on to the Ollie Tanner situation. So um this was a this is a young player, uh 20-year-old winger for for non-league Lewis, um, who who has been uh, impressing with his set pieces and his dribbling ability. He has a really good goal scoring record, and Spurs ID'd him as a player they want to sign for the under 23s and just sort of see how he progresses. A bit of a punt, I think. Um uh, and when the links when the links for Tanner came out, it came to light that when he was in his mid-teens, sort of 15 to 16, I think 15, uh, he tweeted some pretty unsavoury stuff about Harry Kane, um, some jokes which I think could be said to be ableist. Sure. Uh, I, I, I think that's that's completely fair to say. And also that he's an Arsenal fan and he tweeted a bunch of anti-Spurs stuff. Um, and not insubstantial number of Spurs fans then absolutely piled into him about those tweets. Um, I've got some things to say about it, but Nathan, where were you on the sort of Oli Tanner situation? <laughs> well, I mean, look, I think, I think, um, I think having concerns about him is like legitimate. I think that if, if the club were to look at those tweets and say, we don't really want to bring this kid to a guy, I called him a child on Twitter and he's, he's what is he 19? He said he was 20. He's 19 or 20. Yeah. So you know that uh, he was a child at the time that he made those pretty nasty tweets, right? If they if they say, oh, we don't want to, you know, bring him in to be around Kane or whatever, if we think that that's you know not appropriate for the club, fair enough. Even if we have like a a no Arsenal fan policy at the club, I think that's fine. That means no Sergio Aurier, no Matt Doherty. Some would say that means no Harry Kane, <laughs> um, but I don't I don't mind that as an idea. My only problem 
is him getting you know surprise abuse from thousands of Spurs fans um, again, which is you know only what he's given, but back up back at him. But the difference is like he's some guy with a few, couple of thousand Twitter followers who's not ready for that, um, and he's he's a young guy and and it's stuff he said years ago when he was you know an idiot child. Again, like I like I've said before, I said some pretty fucking stupid things when I was around that age that I desperately hope never come to light because I don't want to have to deal with that. Uh, you have to allow people the opportunity to sort of to, to move on and, and grow up. And we've been very critical of, of Gattuso. The comparison has been drawn there. And we, you know, we led a campaign for him to not be made our manager. But there's a big difference between what a kid who's 15 says and then, you know, has to face the consequences of that when he's 19 or 20 versus like an adult who said it when he was, you know, an adult. He's in his middle age. He's going to come in and be like the front of our front of our club and and he still now has the opportunity to reflect positively upon the things he said and, and rebuild his character and, and 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 reverse his positions on those things and he doesn't desperately need a job right he's a he's a wealthy man he's been paid well at previous clubs and he'll go on to other clubs so it's a very different situation there um again i don't mind us you know going back on this deal for those reasons i don't mind spurs fans sort of bringing it up even uh, as a way of trying to get the club's attention but the problem with that is that inevitably what happened which is that he receives a whole bunch of crap which he doesn't need to receive that's it this, this is this is the thing this is the thing when people become famous uh, their their social media accounts get scrutinized and and things they said as as youngsters um are brought to light i mean my cricket team sussex had the same with Ollie Robinson, who's their fast bowler who went on to play for England. And that's when a whole bunch of stuff that Ollie Robinson has said came to light and he was desperately sorry. I think Azim Rafiq is is a wonderful example of someone who said some bad things as a youngster yeah. and then shown genuine remorse and um, looked to sort of learn and grow and move beyond that. And I think um, I think that should be I think that should be um, the norm for people uh, that they they are able to have said have made some mistakes as children. Literal, I mean, he's a literal child, and to, to be given the freedom to accept that he was wrong and to learn from that. Um, and if he doesn't want to learn from that, then that's something different. That's you know, if he's still sure. if he's still saying horrible things now, get him out of my club, absolutely. But uh, I, I I I completely agree with Nathan's stance that we need to give people an opportunity to be better before we before we castigate them. Um, and, and this ties into something else that happened for me this week. So I got a really interesting email uh, about about Lucas and some of Lucas's Twitter likes from a correspondent who I'm not going to name, but who has been brilliantly enlightening uh, about the situation in Brazil, uh, who, who lives out there and has a lot of local context, and who actually originally gave Lucas the benefit of the doubt for for voting for and promoting Bolsonaro, who is the, the fascist president of, of Brazil. Uh, and, and Lucas has liked a tweet fairly recently um, which is which is vile. It's it's about the murder of a, a, a black gay female political activist, um, who who basically was murdered for being those three things. Uh, it was not a, a nice situation at all. And as, as well as liking that, uh, unfortunately, Lucas has also liked some pretty horrendous transphobic content recently, and alongside some quite pathetic anti-leftist memes that he likes on the reg uh he he's also liked some pro bolsonaro tweets mm-hmm. um 
I, I don't think this is acceptable. To me, that I mean, that is not acceptable to me as a as a as a fan who who wants our club to be inclusive. Um, so solidarity with with our LGBTQ plus fans, and and I think the club should be acting to to speak to Lucas and educate him, and at the very least, ask him to pretend that he doesn't support some of these oh, yeah. horrendous tweets. Um, even if secretly he does, but I really think that shows up a hypocrisy amongst amongst Spurs fans that they are turning a blind eye to some of the vile stuff that Lucas is liking, you know, and it's it's there for everyone to see, you know, just scroll through his likes, and yet this this young boy got a pile on. Spurs fans are, are a weird bunch. They always rush to God forbid anyone says anything bad about Harry Kane, they rush to protect him. And you're right, this this Lucas. Um, this Lucas shenanigans on, on social media it needs to be stopped either the club needs to do something or and make him aware of, of what he's doing it's it's unacceptable the, the, the things he's liking the things he's commenting on um, I missed the whole Oli Tanner thing and uh, which is a shame I would have quite enjoyed some of the, some of the Twitter beef that was happening around <laughs> that um, he was a child he was 15 years old and I, I honestly think to to stop that happening because of a couple of tweets when he's fifteen years old is a bit over the top. People people change, people educate. We're, di- we're 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 different persons. We all we all we all every day is about educating and becoming a better person. And you have to allow people to do that. Yeah, I, mu- I must admit I made a cock up because there was this report that that Oli Tanner uh, had not joined Spurs because of the backlash, and that turned out to not be true. And I shouldn't have tweeted about that. I did tweet about that. And I shouldn't have done until it was confirmed um but i was i sort of felt quite i sort of felt quite upset about the the prospect of that which is why i tweeted from the heart and not from the head which was which was stupid um just a reminder that if if there are any trans football fans listening who who don't feel they have a uh, somewhere to discuss football you're you're very welcome in our discord community just drop us a dm and we'll arrange that for you yeah um benjamin r holmes got in touch Spurs have put a, a role live, an audience and insights analyst role. And uh, and Benjamin's point was, I thought it was interesting that they've put out a job for an audience and insight analyst a week ago amongst all the absolute craziness on Twitter. Thought it could be an interesting talking point or something to share. And yeah, I mean, this is this is fascinating because Twitter has been going through an absolute meltdown during the last couple of weeks of the transfer window. Um, Barty, have you managed to steer clear of this? What have you made of the the goings on? I mean, it's all it's Twitter is is a is a weird place anyway. No, this is um, next level though. For Spurs Twitter, it's always next level. It's never there's there's not a there's not a guide. There's not a pH scale you can look at it. It's always next level. It's always more over the top. It's always the end of the world. People just need to calm down, man. It's it's a football club. And things are bad, things are good. And two days ago, the people were crying we haven't signed anybody. Now we've gone out and signed two <laughs> international players and they're still upset. It's just, just relax. Enjoy your football. We, we started the pod by talking about two people who've suffered, one person who suffered a, a significant loss and someone else is battling for their life. There are much bigger things to really get pent up and get upset about. Enjoy your life. Enjoy the people around you. And don't worry that Tottenham haven't signed a bloody player. It doesn't matter. Well said. Um, I also think uh, the the last two years has been really, really hard for everyone. Um, some people more than the most. There's been a lot of loss, um, and that that might not be loss of a, of a of a friend or a family member. It might be loss of your 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 hobbies, your see your ability to see your friends, your your whatever it might be, independence. Uh, so it's been really tough. And sort of tying your ability to have a good day to Spurs' ability to sign players just seems like a really bad 
idea to me because it's we're awful. we're not good at signing players. Um, you you can't you can't you can't base your mood around something as fragile as Tottenham Hotspur. It's fragile as football. It's a sport. It's a business, and you can't base how you're feeling along Tottenham. If you put all your feelings and invest all your feelings and heart into Tottenham Hotspur, it's just going to disappoint you. you sit down and, and read about this club. It's a wonderful and fantastic club because it's fucking batshit mental, <laughs> and that's that's why we keep going towards it. And yeah, you don't use Tottenham as a as a way to find happiness because you're not going to find it. Enjoy the things that Tottenham give you. Enjoy the madness. Enjoy signing Kulivseski when we need a right wing back. And 100% against Brighton, um, somebody's hamstring will go, and then it will all just start again. Ding. And now, <laughs> now it will be next level. And you see, that's why there is no next level because it's just a continuation of of people losing their minds. Uh, Totter Bergdahl, we've covered some of this, but Totter says, and I'm, I have to apologise if I've got that pronunciation where it could be Turta. Um, I'm Swedish and I'm extra interested in the Kuliszewski signing. I think it would be a great signing. This is obviously before it happened uh, because of the versatility of the player. In a Conte system, I can see him playing in central midfield, attacking midfield, all forward roles and also as a right wing back. Long, long term, I can really see him as a right wing back because of his stamina and defensive turnovers. What do you think about that? I can't see it. I really can't see it. I just... like So we sort of spoke about his 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 speed and how much he doesn't doesn't have i don't know he kind of he looks slower than he is but he's still not fast i still think he like i i get the impression when i watch him that like as a youth player he dribbled around players a lot and he's had to adapt to like not having that same ability to create separation against like uh, you know other top level players so much and he's developed his creative game around that that's just my that's just my guess i don't think that suits right wing back obviously you know he's left footed um uh, i don't know i'm not saying he could never cover right wing back but but i think lucas is a better better fit for right wing back than kuliszewski is he's left footed he says forgetting that he literally produced a video about inverted wing backs like a couple of weeks ago And and i think that video made some really good points that kuliszewski could could be useful in the, in addressing. Uh, I, I can see it happening late in games where we're struggling to open up a packed defence. You know, he's got good creative passing with the kind of um, reverse passes that he likes coming in field. Uh, and, and you would be able to play, you know, as a as an inverted right wing back coming inside, there would be an opportunity there to play some some reverse passes. And you can imagine someone like, I don't know, Bergvine or Son running onto those. Um, so I think maybe late in games, it's a, it's a possibility. Um, Hill's loan has been announced, and uh, the reporting now is that the Bergvine to Ajax move is <gasps> definitely off. Oh, good, good. Oh, <laughs> oof. I thought it was going to be one of those <laughs> dramatic ports. Sorry, dramatic. Sorry, you know that um, that that meme where um, Tyrion puts his hand on Carragher's leg. That's that's <laughs> what I thought was going to happen. I was going to virtually put my hand on your leg, Nathan. I wonder if those things are related. I wonder if it's like okay, we've got Hill off our books, we've got Ndombele off our books. Um, one of Delhi and Lascelles is likely to go. Therefore, we no longer need to shift you, and and you're you know you're at least somewhat in Conte's plans. I definitely think he should be. So well, that was the that was the reporting at least a, a couple of days ago that Conte has said he likes Bergvine. He's happy for him to stay at the club. He's you know he's he's clearly a player. He yeah exactly you know and and I think Conte identifying that he could play up front and his system was um, that happened quite early on and we hadn't, didn't see it initially 
But I think that's... Um, We've really seen it now. Yeah, I think that's a really insightful piece of... He's smart guy, he, isn't he? He said that early, having <laughs> yeah. barely watched the guy, and it's absolutely true. He's got a really lovely, feathery first touch, just bringing the ball out of the air, and he's also very good at protecting the ball. So I, I think there's a lot of potential there um, for Bergvine sort of covering some... I mean, I'm not saying that we're keen to get into I want Bergvine to lead the line by himself. But I think playing off someone is absolutely a possibility for him. I really do. Final question is from Kevin, who says, Do you think the oversaturation of ITK and general coverage of the game means that Levy's transfer strategy has been bypassed? Hmm. Meaning that if everyone is acutely aware of how you do business, then there there is less... Then they're less likely to fall. Then they are less likely to fall for the ploys and tactics he'd used previously. If every once in a while he just paid the asking price or kicked in the extra 5 to 10 million instead of milking it for every last penny, teams would be more likely to deal. Instead of every deal feeling like Levy is trying to get one over on people, clubs might think, well, if they really want the player, they'll play up. They'll pay up. If nothing else, just to start shift the thinking. No, no club seems to have more trouble moving players in or out, and I believe it's down to strategy and the reputation of the chairman. Now that is some wild, sorry, not that it's some wild revelation, obviously, but in baseball, if you throw fastball after fastball, hitters eventually anticipate and capitalise. But if you mix in a curveball or change it, change it up every now and again, it keeps hitters off balance. It's mm, an interesting idea. Um, so I, I guess the I guess the sort of thinking is that like. Um, we wanted to keep the Luis Diaz stuff quiet. We failed to. Um, but Liverpool didn't find out through the press. They found out through having an agreement with Porter, right? Which is not to say something like that couldn't possibly happen. Um, I do think that, like, technology and speed of communication has changed a bit in, you know, it, it's WhatsApp instead of faxing mm. <laughs> nowadays. Mm. And so it's like, if someone's offered you something, you can quickly immediately message out obviously you could call before but you can immediately message out the three other director of footballs who might be interested in and get sort of a bid going rather than you know i think especially on deadline day on deadline day daniel levy calls you up and there's two hours before the window closes and he's making you an offer and you kind of need to make a, a decision right there and then whereas maybe now through through the wonders of, of of technology i mean we've been texting for a while <laughs> i don't know maybe maybe i'm maybe i'm jumping on that but you can um I think I think just as much like his and again it's less the case with Paratici in place now, but there there was becoming a thing where like he had personally alienated so many other directors that they didn't want to deal with him and they knew what he was about, they knew his businesses and his tricks and his like the thing where he like agrees an unofficial term, waits for that club to buy the replacement, and then comes back with a lower bid than he'd previously said. Not a great way to make a lot of friends, and there's there's only so many other clubs that are like in our marketplace that you can do that to before no one wants to deal with you. Um, I'm surprised that we're we're doing business with Leon again. It looked like that was they would simply never never want to deal with us again. But maybe maybe that proves the point that if you have assets that are worth it, people will <laughs> people won't mind how you behave. Well, I think that's you know as we sort of discussed earlier. I think that's why he brought in Paratici. It's it's not necessarily because there's a different approach. It's it's to delegate some of the duties. Yeah, and it's literally a different face doing the same thing that he always did. And I, I, I will sort of take issue with Kevin's point about the sort of get one over on people. I don't think it was ever about that. For, I mean, maybe it's a little bit about that for Levy. But it's it's getting the best value, isn't it? And and getting the best deal for the club. Um, so it's putting your it's it's creating a situation where you have leverage. You have you have the upper hand. You have you hold all the cards, and so leaving it late 
um, puts pressure on the opposition club because it's now or never. You have to make a decision now. And so you're more likely to accept uh, less money than you might have done at an earlier stage in the transfer window. Uh, and, and that's where he's sort of, his steely-eyed determination to see it through to the last day comes into its own. And I do sort of think, um, I think there might be something in this point that Kevin's making that we, we now know so much about his strategy. Everyone understands what he's like as a negotiator. Everyone's got this detailed history because of not necessarily ITK, but you know, reporting. detailed reporting where people find out snippets. Um, that does mean that he perhaps needs to change. And again, that might be quite important paratiji. I mean, I find ITK fascinating. It's the it's the most ridiculous concept in in modern football. It's it's none of it's true. It's just an opinion. Somebody has an opinion, and it gets passed down, and it becomes ITK. Now, if I want one day when I have time, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do like a, a thesis on ITK because let's just ponder amongst ourselves the ITK that we've witnessed. Tanganga to Milan, it, it didn't happen, and we had that from pretty good sources. Uh, Traore to Tottenham didn't happen. Doherty to um, to Wolves didn't happen. It's ITK doesn't exist. It's all, it's all bullshit. No, but it's no. it's all bullshit. Maybe occasion, maybe occasionally, and I pretend to be ITK because I'm making a mockery of the ITK that it doesn't exist. All it is is somebody's opinion repeated and repeated. And Kulisewski was supposed to sign for Arsenal. But 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 buddy, if like. Like I, I quite, fancy, I, I, I quite fancy a glass of water right now, right? But I'm recording a mm. podcast, so I'm not going to go and get a glass of water. But that doesn't mean I don't want a glass of water. No, but that, that doesn't. The whole point is, every this oversaturation of ITK. It's not ITK. It's just, it's just gossip bollocks. <laughs> no, but <laughs> it's all it is. It's been we've been talking about Kulovsky since <laughs> last summer, and people pointed to. I do it as well, just to take the mick. People pointed to a, a comment by the Spurs web or whoever in June that I told you this was going to happen. We don't, All it is we, is an opinion. We don't talk about them on this podcast. Maybe it wasn't them. Maybe it was Bison something. I don't know. But it's 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 all nonsense. ITK doesn't exist. Nobody's in the know. Everybody's just guessing. And go there's 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 so there's fields and fields of ITK that never happened. And there's one small patch that is actually true. Yeah. That's it. There are three guys who message me of everything they've ever said has always come true. <laughs> who reveal your source? No, no one reveals gonna, that. Gonna, of course not. I'm not gonna not. reveal my sources. <laughs> Nothing. It's not true. Nothing. It doesn't always no, come it, true. But it, it is true. It is true, buddy. There's <laughs> Some not people know people true. who work at clubs. Yeah. Right? A lot of people don't and make stuff up. And a lot of people like seven people down the chain. But like information leaks all the time. We're really bad. But that's at, what I mean. We're really bad at uh, keeping information unleaked. We're not, we're not very good <laughs> at plugging the leaks as a club because it's it doesn't exist. I honestly believe it does not exist. So you think clubs are absolutely watertight that the only time uh, a transfer that any anything can possibly be true is when it actually happens because clubs are so good at keeping things in-house. Now Nathan may have a friend or two that works inside a club and that's probably true. But Nathan <laughs> hasn't told me and he hasn't told you. So it's not out there. The majority and that's what I mean by the oceans of ITK is all bollocks. There's a lot of bollocks. There is a, you know, there, 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 mostly there, bollocks. There are a lot of people who make things up uh like me i I was told i was told uh a week ago that that charlton were going to sign one of spurs's young players on loan uh niall john eventually moved to charlton i i wrongly assumed that it was marcel lavinia because um there was a hint that it was going to be someone who plays they said someone who plays in the wing i think they got niall john's position wrong 
so I thought it might have been Lavinia, it was Nigel John. So, so someone knew something and it happened. That's ITK, right? That's someone's given me some legit ITK. Equally, someone told me that uh, when we were going to sign Sofian Amrabat, that uh, they were concerned about that because he'd also been offered to some clubs that were well below Spurs' level and that Fiorentina were trying to get rid of him to whoever would take him. Like that, he's not moved now. He's not moved on. That doesn't mean that wasn't true. But that's that's what I mean. It's now dead ITK. Does it? It didn't happen. It didn't happen. But the person who told me that we, we, would know. Windy, we can't explain object permanence to Bardi on the podcast. <laughs> <you know? laughs> uh, the only ITK uh, that the RX subs believer is Bardi ITK. Obviously, it's true because I get mine from good sources, good journalists. <laughs> I, I do very. Whenever I see the "Don't believe his lies." Uh, Polaroid with a picture of Bardi. I, I do. It does raise a smile every single time. Good, good. Because I'm not. I'm. I'm going to reveal now. I don't know anything. No. After this, oh yeah. my god. No, none of my ITK is true. I have no sources. I have. Um. I have uh, someone in the fighting cop WhatsApp group who's always wrong, and I just report <laughs> what he says. I have Wendy and Nathan who doesn't tell me anything. That's it. So the rest of the time, I just make it up. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But I was right on Kuliseski. I have a, a Swedish a Swedish chap who who's really excited today. Apex. Um, he, you, he, you're naming he, your sources. <laughs> I'm naming my source. <laughs> Apex is an absolute psychopath uh, yeah. in, in the best possible way. And he's he's been in my DMs for for six months telling me about Kuliseski, and he gets the kind of Bardi, attention. That's not because that he knows; it's because he likes the player. <laughs> True, but he gets the kind of attention from me that patrons have to pay for. So I should start charging him because we are DMing quite quite a lot, and he's very excited today. So if he's happy, I'm happy. No, that's not that's, that's lovely. That is lovely. I do. Mm. It does feel really nice for for Sweet. We haven't had many Swedish players. I think was Eric Edmund the last Swedish player we had. I think so. Uh, so it's yeah. really we we have obviously Spurs have a huge following in Scandinavia and and Sweden. You know we've got loads of Swedish fans. So this is a good day for Swedish Spurs fans. You've been listening to the Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. 